Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. And I'm Anthony. Hi, guys. Can can I read a comment from Disco 54 to start off this episode, guys? No. Always a good way to start it. So he, uh, this was about our one year anniversary last week, and he didn't get his comment in on time. So he didn't listen to the episode when he wrote this. I wanted to read it because he knows us so well. He predicted everything we would talk about in the show. (laughs) (laughs) He said... Like everything, we need to ask, what have we learned over the year? This year that has been all too long, yet also seems to have flown by. There has in no way been enough Candace Cameron Burr, which we mentioned in the show. (laughs) Uh, Christmas in Hollis is the quickest way to all-out war. Not a classic, or is it? (laughs) Breaking bass doesn't travel well. Sometimes nostalgia has got stuff well alone. Charlie Brown would be in therapy if he were a kid today. Arthur Christmas is really not that bad. <laughs> Julia really needs to get more active on Reddit, which is true. And you did make an effort this week. She did. She was I did. <laughs> I totally and, did. And Sundays are way too long. Here's to the next year, guys. Boy, that's the truth. About and, I, <laughs> and I told him Professor Trelawney would want him in his class because he guessed a lot of the stuff we talked about in that comment. <laughs> Your other gifts arrived today. It's a Tis the Podcast mug. Oh, cool. That's amazing. Yeah. They they all shipped to here for some reason. So I have to get yours in the mail. No. (laughs) What'd you say? Do we want to offer some for sale? We can do an order. We could. That would be cool. We should do that. Son, I am excited to see these. I love a coffee mug. I do too. It's nice too. She came out really well. <laughs> is it like the speckled pottery look? It is. It's, I love it's that. navy blue and white, so it looks like it's snowing. Yes. Oh. I love that. Sweet. That's amazing. I had to sacrifice one of my stickers to my old laptop. So I'll be happy to have it like immortalized, our logo immortalized in something that doesn't have to be ripped off of work property at some point. There you go. Yeah. Thanks, Anthony. Do you need another one? Maybe. I've got one left. I'm being super stingy with it. So I'm good for now. Julia, did you hear what uh, Whole Foods announced this year? What? Pumpkin spiced whipped cream. What? That's genius. Yep. They need a caramel spiced whipped cream. I would get that. I tried the pumpkin spice latte again today, guys. Yeah, just came out Starbucks today. had them back. <laughs> Not for me, still. Too much milk. <laughs> Lactose intolerance. Did y'all ever see that movie? French Kiss with Meg Ryan and Kevin Klein. No. 90s romantic comedy, quirky and very French, and you've got to see it. It is glorious. It is Meg Ryan in her cutest and Kevin Klein in his funniest. I thought Kevin Klein was French That's for a- years because I saw this before I ever saw him in anything else. Saying Kevin Klein at his funniest is a really high bar you're setting. You realize that, right? I am setting that bar. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It is great. French kiss. It's so good. Anyway, that's not the movie we're talking about tonight. <laughs> what, what movie are we talking about, guys? It's September, so we're not talking just movies. Oh, that's we right. off our literary month, and tonight we're just starting our inaugural literary month. 
with the 2001 John Grisham book, Skipping Christmas, which was then adapted into the 2004 film, Christmas with the Cranks. Julie, give us a plot synopsis. Absolutely. After their daughter Blair decides not to come home from the Peace Corps for Christmas, Luther gets a crazy idea. Take the money he and his wife Nora would spend on Christmas and go on a cruise. The Cranks are going to skip Christmas. This proves to be far harder than they anticipated, but Luther and begrudgingly Nora keep their resolve until Blair calls on Christmas Eve to say she's en route from Peru with her fiancé to surprise her parents. Chaos erupts as Luther and Nora scramble to restore Christmas in the Crank home. Good synopsis. It worked for both the book and the movie. I wonder if Blair is friends with Fozzie Bear. I could not not think about poor Miss Fozzie and everybody coming home. And I'm like, oh, Fozzie Bear, I'm feeling you on multiple levels here. (laughs) I really did. That was the first thing I thought about. Because I realized, you care if I skip right into my history? Nope, go right ahead. I realized I had not seen this movie even a fraction of in its entirety ever. I had maybe seen 20 minutes of it. And so sitting down today to watch it was an interesting surprise. This movie was weird. I quite enjoyed the novella, though. Well, I know we'll talk about the movie, but that's the brief one. <laughs> I, Christine and I were given this book back, I think, in 2002. We read it and fell in love with it and gave it as gifts to everybody for Christmas. Um, still to this day, when we are at a used book sale and we see a copy, but we pick it up knowing that we're going to end up ha- passing it along to somebody else. Uh-huh. Uh, we loved it. So when the movie was coming out, we got really excited and we went to the theater and saw it. And I was horribly disappointed. <laughs> uh, As is usually the case with. This one was really bad for me. This one was really bad for me. Uh, putting some distance between it, um, between the first time I saw it and this time, I'm a little more okay with it. But I still think it falls really short of the novella. How about you, Anthony? Uh, so I didn't read the novella until last year at your recommendation, Tom. <laughs> and I, uh, I really enjoyed the novella. Um, the movie I had a longer history with. I've seen it a few times over the years. And it's one I always manage to catch every holiday season. It's one I'll never, I don't go out of my way to watch necessarily. I think it's okay. Christmas fodder. But it's nothing special. But I find it amusing. Enough. (laughs) Enough. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to jump in real quick and do our normal credits background of the film. Uh, Again, it was written by John Grisham in 2001. The film was directed by Joe Roth, who did America's Sweethearts and Revenge of the Nerds and has a lot of other producer credits. The screenplay was adapted and written by Chris Columbus. I'm not going to go into his long history because we discussed that pretty extensively on our Harry Potter episode. And our Home Alone episode. Mm. And our Home Alone episode, both, correct. Um, So as far as the cast goes, we have Tim Allen as Luther Crank. Again, we've talked a lot about him in the the Santa Claus episode. He was on Home Improvement and is currently on Last Man Standing. Jamie Lee Curtis plays Nora Frank. We know her... I know her most from the uh, Halloween franchise. To which she is returning this October. She is. She's in the new one. Can't wait. She was also in A Fish Called Wanda, True Lies, and Freaky Friday. I just recently saw Freaky Friday. I love that movie. For the first time. With with, um, Lindsay Lohan in it? Yeah. I quite like that movie. Jamie Lee rocking out on the guitar at the end. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I loved it. It was hilarious. (laughs) Uh, Dan Aykroyd plays Vic Frohmeyer, a, a legend among legends from the Saturday Night Live cast. He was in Blues Brothers franchise, the Ghostbusters franchise, Fifty First Dates, Tommy Boy, My Girl 1 and 2, My Stepmother's an Alien, and he had an appearance in Home Improvement with Tim Allen, M. Emmett Walsh plays Walt Scheel, and um, I recognize him, but I wouldn't know him from anything. 
He's had a lot of ancillary roles. Uh, he was in Blade Runner, The Jerk, Fletch, Raising Arizona, Catch Me If You Can, and Home Improvement's 1994 Christmas episode, which was The Night Before Chaos, and a movie called Christmas in the Clouds, which I don't know much about, but since it's a Christmas movie, we got to give it a little shout out. We have to do the Home Improvement Christmas episodes one year. They had good Christmas episodes. That's a good one for next year's TV month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth Franz plays Bev Scheel. She was in Sabrina, the movie Sabrina, Success, with Michael J. Fox and Gilmore Girls. Yes. And then Who was Eric- she in Gilmore Girls? She was the kooky, one of the kooky towns people, yep. wasn't she? Oh, always yep. one of the ones with Patty. She was always she- at the town hall meetings and stuff. I don't think she was with Miss Patty. Eric Persullivan plays Spike Bromeyer. Uh, he was, uh, he played Dewey in Malcolm mm-hmm. in the Middle. And he played Joe Dierte, a young Joe Dierte. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Joe Dirt. Are you really serious? You and need that's to make that like always the response when priority. I to people. <laughs> I love that movie to this day. I love David Spade, so I mean it's shocking I haven't, but Yeah, you've got his best works. It's almost would... it's almost on par with I've never seen Office Space. People are always like, How have you never seen that movie? Okay, you were in an office. How have you really not seen good. that movie? That's usually what they preface it by, too. In my defense, I've only worked in an office for five years. So that's more than enough time to watch Office Space. It's <laughs> Back when I ran a bank, I would uh, inevitably walk up to my employees on the days where they were scheduled to work Saturday and sip my coffee. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. (laughs) I wish I had money on thinking you were that guy at work. (laughs) (laughs) Never seriously, but yeah. All right, so let's talk the book. What do we think of the book? I really liked the book. I didn't have the space between the book and the movie to have, like how you said, Tom, that it was nice to space them out and made you maybe not like the movie made you not hate the movie as much as you could have like the space was good I have no space so one I was surprised at how closely they adapted certain parts of the book I mean like the main word for anyway. word yep yeah I'm always happy with that but the book in and of itself is delightful I it, I really liked Luther in the book. I got the parts about Luther that you're not supposed to like, but I felt like he had a lot more personality and redeemable qualities. I felt like Luther in the book, I agree with all that, but I felt like he was kind of written blandly. I can see why they changed him for the movie because I felt like he was almost a little too bland in the book. I I agree. He was bland, but for I liked him more in the book than I liked Tim Allen in the movie. Absolutely. I agree so, with that. Yeah, so it's almost like I would have preferred if he would have, I don't know, I felt like Tim Allen was bland and too, but in a much less attractive way. In a shallow <laughs> way. He was very, yeah, he was very shallow. And you know, it's, it's the difficulty you always have when you go from writing a book to a screenplay, right? You mm. can't show inner turmoil. You can't show inner dialogue. You can't really express thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Luther in the book is having issues, you see it. But in the movie, Tim Allen is just being a goof, and that didn't work for me. Mm-mm. Like for example, Walt's cat. A grown man standing in the middle of the road with a neighbor he has problems with hissing at a cat. That's just weird. That's not. <laughs> that wasn't believable. What's with Tim Allen and hissing? By the way, he did the same. He hissed in Home Improvement and the same hissed in the Santa Claus. Well, maybe it's oh. his thing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just thing. yeah. It's who he is as a person. so moving to the movie i think the problem i had was the movie became a shtick right yeah yep game and that's not what the book was the book was more of this idea of balancing of of looking at you know um there was a definite commentary from uh, john grisham on the extravagance the amount of money we spent on christmas and how much it cost to do everything right Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, though, the movie got one important thing right, the most important thing out of the book right for me, and that was how the neighbors rallied around them at the end to fix totally. Christmas for Blair. Totally. <laughs> like, um, and the stuff from the book that made it to the movie with the neighbors, I really liked a lot, like the selling of the Christmas trees and the hiding in the house, that stuff. Mm-hmm. But when the this, this like, cult near murder Halloween-esque rampage to demand Frosty. <laughs> that was that was a bit much. That was a bit We much. want Frosty. Yeah, no kids no kid at his age is gonna care that much about Frosty. <laughs> but you know what? I think that was part of the fantasy aspect of the book and the movie that I really liked was and I know there are towns still like this that exist in America, but like how just this whole town, like, you know, the town that coordinates their decorations on the street and comes together to help their neighbor. Oh, I loved all of that. That made it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, with regards to the movie, the reason why I said earlier that it was one of the weirder movies I've seen is because I really did not like this movie up until about 20 minutes from the ending. When they all rally around. When they all rally around. Like, I kept waiting for it to turn up, and I'm like, I really don't even like the characters that much. I hated the neighbors, all of them, super jerks. Well, I liked Fromheimer. Fromheimer. Of all of them, he was You've never my favorite. In a neighborhood with the Neighborhood Association, have you, Anthony? <laughs> no, I actually have. I saw he rang true to me. He <laughs> Well, he wasn't as obnoxious as I was expecting him to be. I was expecting him to be a lot more mean-spirited instead of just... Uh, oh, awesome. there wasn't anything mean-spirited at all about him. No. That weird, overbearing, too-much-in-your-business neighbor that drives me crazy. Very right. Taylor from Gilmore Girls-esque. Actually, yes. I thought he was a little nicer than Taylor from Gilmore Girls. Yes, yes, he was. Absolutely. Um but I did a complete flip in the last 20 minutes of this movie where I will probably watch it again if for no other reason than that last 20 minutes. Um, the kids are watching it with me and Hannah hated it up until the very end and Gabe loved it because he loves slapstick comedy. But they were all, all of them at some point commented when all of the neighbors were rallying around the cranks that they all said, wouldn't it be cool to live in a neighborhood like that where like all the decorations were coordinated and everybody talked to each other all the time and they would come over for dinner on a regular basis. And I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. Do you remember Prestonwood back in Houston, Julia? Yes. And I've told Marty about it. It's this super cool neighborhood, Anthony, where every street has a different theme and they all participate. And the lines to get in and out of this neighborhood are absolutely bonkers from about Thanksgiving, maybe even before Thanksgiving, all the way to about a week past Christmas. It's like hours to drive through. Yeah. My aunt's parents live there and uh, we went every year growing up. It's really cool, but the thought of driving through there stresses me out. It gives me a great deal of agita. (laughs) (laughs) Because we never had to drive through there. Right. We just got to enjoy it, right? That's right. (laughs) That was the first neighborhood I went to where like there was a sign like turn your radio to 93.7 and you would hear the music going with the the Trans-Siberia Orchestra. Always. One with the lights. (laughs) Always. So besides the neighbors uh, rallying around them at the end, the way the neighborhood in general looked at the end with the snow and the lights, like total Christmas feels. Like yeah. they nailed the atmosphere in that last half an hour. I feel and like I, most of the movie did, even though it was like not like in t- the, the for the main characters it was intentionally not being Christmas. Mm-hmm. Everywhere they went, it felt like Christmas, right? Yeah, it did. I loved the idea of a Christmas tree deliveries by Boy Scouts and that cute truck and all of that stuff. I mean, that atmosphere was perfect. Um, I love the way Hemlock is described in the books. Um, In the book, you get as much of that Christmas atmosphere and text as you do in the movie, which is, I mean, yes, please. I loved that as well. Like I know Um, John Grisham does pop culture stuff, like his writing is more pop culture, but he's a really good spinner of words. You can really paint images. And I think that, I didn't mean to interrupt, but, but going along no. with what you're saying about Hemlock, this was just him nailing it out of the park. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I loved that the whole 
film, I was chomping at the bit for snow and it felt off to me that there wasn't. And I was really happy that that played into the resolution like that. That was intentional because I didn't know for sure if it was. I'm like, man, I wish they put some snow in this movie. Maybe I'd like these people a little more. And then when it actually did start to snow, I'm like, I get it. We need a blur for snow. Yeah. That's I hate, I hated the whole Marty thing though. Oh, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. See, there there are other movies and specials. I have the whole, somebody turns out to be an angel or Santa Claus or something. And this one, it just didn't work for me. (laughs) That's the only part of like that last 20 minutes that really didn't work for me. Oh, I liked it. it Was the criminal. Yeah. What the heck? Movie that wasn't there in the book. It was not necessary. Not at all. I don't even understand why you would put it in there anyway. Like how, no. what value they thought that added. Mm-hmm. I Probably did, to make it a little longer. I did love Chief Aaron as a police officer. <laughs> 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 I forgot to put him in the credits, but yeah, I love Cheech Marin as a police officer. <laughs> I honestly like Jamie Lee Curtis in the film. I did. I didn't like Tim Allen at all in this oh, movie, wow. but Jamie Lee Curtis, I did. Although it was amazing, like how frumpy and older, how much older and frumpier they made her look. Cause she looks a lot younger nowadays than she did in this movie. That is her niche. That's ex- exactly what happened in true lies. She's a frumpy house mom. And then when she gets to be that secret agent and she, Brings out the bosom and all of that. You're like, holy crap. Even in Halloween, when she was a teenager, when she was um, Laurie, she was a frumpy teenager. The sweaters, all her friends were the cheerleaders and everything like that. And she Mm -hmm. was just this frumpy reserved one. Like, she she does it well. Yeah, she does it well. And she does the, um, she does the mom, right? The standard mom very well. But she came off very annoying to me in a lot of parts of this movie. Like she overdid it. If she would have dialed it back a little, I feel like it would have been perfect for me. But I think a lot of that was paired with Tim Allen and I really didn't like him. I didn't either. And I'm so used to liking him in Christmas movies. I'm like, come on, man. Scott Calvin, you were the best. You were a jerk and you were awesome. Why can't you be... He was going you for know. more. It was it was too too sticky in this. It really was. Yeah. But again, for me personally, I don't think they could have adapted Luther exactly like the books. Yeah, I don't know. It, Luther in the books is my father, and I think that's why I enjoyed him so much because I could connect it so much to my dad. You know, every bit of his reasoning would be something that my dad would say. So it was. I don't know. Those it was a lot better. Big Christmas budget. I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah, six grand. <laughs> that is way more than I spent on Christmas. <laughs> I have to figure out my budget. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure about that. Gets his pencil out, starts tallying. My, my father, though, is totally always like, we should skip Christmas this year to my mother because, like, they had the big old house. They do it full up. None of the kids are home anymore. They have one Christmas Eve party for mom's family. Christmas Day, they're at a different house. So he's always like, let's just skip it one year, go to Florida, <laughs> wherever they want to go. But mom always convinces him no. So all of that, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> It may get you thinking, doesn't it? I asked Marty, I'm like, if our kids were completely out of the house, would we skip Christmas? And he's like, yeah, in a heartbeat. Then I'm just looking at him like, "Mm." (laughs) I'm pretty sure you would not be able to tolerate not having a tree up at some point. I definitely wouldn't. Yeah. Christine and I didn't have kids for years and I was still over the top. As much as like I did not like Tim Allen in this movie, though, I did like his final moments with uh, what's the neighbor's name? Walt. The Shields. With yeah. Yeah. So absolutely, there he is. There's my Scott Calvin. That's what I mean. Like the last twenty minutes redeemed all the parts to me, and I loved that with Bev and Walt, and yeah, that was all great. Yeah, it was. <laughs> The acting and the writing and just, yeah. That was the only the time I really liked the writing. So I have a funny story for you guys. I uh, You remember the scene where, of course you do, where 
Laura's <laughs> getting a tan, and the priest, the priest comes up. Yeah. So a couple months ago, I was in Santa Fe, and uh, going out with a group of people from the conference where I was, and I'm in my collar. I don't think I had on my cast. I just had on my, my black shirt and collar, and I go to the restroom, and there's a woman sitting there on the toilet who forgot to lock the door. So I just <laughs> kind of her, her memory from now on. She had this... this Guy in a priest collar walking around the back. <laughs> I have a funny bathroom story. I love bathroom stories. Um, this one's a good one. So I was on a business trip to San Juan Capistrano Beach in Southern California, and I. Ethan was two weeks old, so I took my pump with me because I'm like, I've got to go to the trip. He's two weeks old. I'm not about to stop nursing because I'm on a trip. So it was super inconvenient, but I did it anyway. So we were at a pub for the last night's dinner. We did the awards ceremony, and I had to excuse myself. I went into the bathroom because this was like... 11 years ago when it wasn't okay to, I probably wouldn't have. Anyway, anyway, went to the bathroom and I was in the big handicap stall because nobody else was in there. This drunk woman comes in to the stall next to me and is falling down on the toilet. She's so wasted. Then she starts to talk to me. Then she decides to stand up on the toilet and peer her head over the stall at me while I'm pumping and she's like what are you doing and I'm like nothing and she's like you're cute what are you doing and she was like wasted <laughs> so I packaged things back up and left she passed out on the floor and back to the table and told everybody about my exciting getting hit on while pumping in the bathroom by a drunk woman <laughs> you're cute so yeah, all I could think of is, oh, she's touched the bathroom floor. <laughs> Since this is our first book movie combo, do we want to do favorite quotes from book or movie or together or what? Together, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the book, I really, really liked the way John Grisham described Christmas season for Nora where he said, for her, the holidays began in late October and steadily gathered momentum until the Big Bang, a 10-hour marathon on Christmas Day with four meals in a packed house. <laughs> Sounds yes. perfect. Starting a little late, Nora. You should kick it back a couple months, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I liked in the movie when he proposes the idea of skipping Christmas tree for the first time, as weird as that weird little dance is he does for her. I like, I like that reaction is she's like, but Luther, it's not even Saturday. Like she's about to get lucky. And then he whips out all the financial numbers instead. He's like, what are you doing? Button back up. (laughs) (laughs) I like the line. It's in the book and the movie. You're skipping Christmas. Isn't that against the law? Yeah. I like that one too. Oh, speaking of that real quick, that's one other thing I really missed from the movie. The book had so many more of those conversations with like, you're you're doing what? You're skipping Christmas? And I understand that it probably would have gotten a little redundant. Redundant. It worked really well in the book. Um, I liked, (laughs) so in the book, the, the small little bits about them eating like rabbit food, cottage cheese and plain noodles to lose weight and how they use John Grisham used how many pounds they were down to kind of track the time I thought was really clever. And that always made me laugh every time I got to one where, Oh, it was just funny. Um, And then I also liked the cop exchange, which really was very similar to the movie, but it's a little more vicious in the book. Like the argument back and forth between the cop and Luther is a little more harsh. And I liked that much more. <laughs> and how Nora was daydreaming about having the police calendar in the basement. Also <laughs> made okay, one, one thing that was real sticky that I did like was uh, the honey ham. The yeah. The honey ham, remember that at the store where it ends up getting run over by the semi? Yes. <laughs> and then Luther gets home and... He, she, she gets home and they're, they're looking at everything and Luther goes, smoke trout. She said, it's better than frozen pizza. Luther said, what happened to the hickory honey ham? Nora said, don't ever say hickory honey ham again. 
How I good can a hand be that's in a tin can? That's what I was thinking too. And I love at the end, he was like, well, you know, it's mostly, what did he say? Like collotted fat and sugar something. Yeah. Um, I'm I lo- glad that he recognized that. <laughs> I like they how like every time. Canned ham either. Do they? Uh, no, not at all. Not with that house, no. I liked how every time they showed Frosty in this movie, he had hellfire in his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like total demonic Frosty. <laughs> he, was, he was actually a really scary-looking snowman. <laughs> yeah, he was very different in the movie than in the book. He came apart in segments in the book, and mm-hmm. he was hard plastic in the movie. But I did like in the book how it mentioned multiple times how you basically stick a light up his rear end <laughs> to illuminate the entire thing. <laughs> I remember having those plastic uh, decorations on the lawn at my parents' house where the lights were basically in the bottom or yeah. in their behind. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so funny. I, I Honestly, the decorations on the street, I mean, I can't get past them, especially when they all come together at the house and that tall spruce just a part of their landscaping that's just to the left of the house is like snowy with colored lights in it is just that is what I wish all of my decorations look like right I love that part I really like from higher speech when he's rallying the neighbors when they're like why should we help them and he's like the sins of the father you know you shouldn't take the sins of the father on the child you know Blair's always been there for us and we should give her the best we should welcome her with the best Christmas, you know. I don't yeah. have to quote ran down. I love that whole speech. Yeah. But I, I get like it. I get it. We've all watched some kids grow up that like I don't know, the the wedding I went to a wedding this weekend for one of my former teens that I've known since she was a little girl and it's just you see Aww. people grow up so I can understand I understand very much what From Meyer was saying at that point. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm just so I think the casting was really good. Dan Aykroyd as him was pretty perfect because it was it was not quite the level of unlikability as he is in the great outdoors. He's really unlikable in the great outdoors, but kind of that same idea a little bit. Um, I really liked him as from higher in this one. I do. He he was a again anybody who's lived in a neighborhood with a with a strong neighborhood association is going to see him and and they're going to recognize somebody, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I liked how he knew people in high places at every point. <laughs> I when he to call the chief. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then how when the lights go out, you know, he's like, do you know somebody at the, I can't even remember what it Con was. Ed. Yeah. And he was like, mm, he just smiles. Perfect. Uh, that's a good question. Because when they had the big pan out at the Him end, walk. it was outside the big city. <laughs> Him luck at Christmas. I mean, it was definitely the Northeast, right? Well, Con Ed is a Northeastern company, right? Oh, I don't know. I know Con Ed. I work work with Con Ed. (laughs) I thought it was a made-up thing. I didn't realize it was a real place. Um, I could see it being around Chicago. Yeah, I could see it being some kind of a suburb of Chicago or Mm. something like that. The house style looks similar to some of those bam julia (gasps) did i nail it christmas with the cranks takes place mostly in the cranks neighborhood of hemlock street in riverside a suburb suburb of chicago illinois bam julia wins tim allen likes his christmas movie set in chicago yeah suburbs of chicago doesn't he he really (laughs) does (laughs) how does it make you feel anthony what he hates Boston, not Chicago. I mean, just leaving New York for Christmas and moving everything to Chicago. At least they didn't. At least they didn't throw in random scenes from New York. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. I'm gonna make a movie trailer for a Christmas movie one of these days. I'm gonna edit a bunch of stuff and just put in all the cities I possibly can. <laughs> All right, any more favorite cities or scenes or do you know why the movie wasn't called Skipping Christmas? There's no, why? Christmas movie. Huh? There's another movie called Skipping Christmas. Is there? Uh-huh. Because IMDb says they didn't want to 
they wanted to avoid confusion with surviving Christmas. Oh, I can see that. Is that the one with, um, I think that's a James Gandolfini and Ben Affleck. Yeah. God, that one was, I won't get into it. Oh, the skipping Christmas is a made for TV movie. Ah, they afford, you know, for not calling it skipping Christmas, they sure mentioned the title and dialogue like 50 times in the film. They did the book too, right? I mean, that was pretty, right. Right. Pretty true. Uh, well, yeah, it was like Julia said at the beginning, like the book, the movie, as different as it was from the book, did a good job of adapting the, a lot of major stuff from the book. Yeah, like I was really surprised. Um, you don't get that word for word translation in a lot of book to movies. And so I was, I'm always pleasantly surprised when they do that. When I read Especially the- when it's a good book to start off with, you know. In fairness, I'm pretty sure every version of A Christmas Carol we've covered so far, minus All-American one, took a lot of the dialogue straight from the book, too. As it should be. Oh, as it should, yeah. For sure. Everybody's read that. I don't think you can get away with not. Uh -uh. When I read the book, the the character that I see the most in my head from the movie is by far Dan Aykroyd as Roy Meyer. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. down. I don't see Tim Allen. I'm sorry. When I'm reading it and imagining... Luther in my head. It's, I'm not seeing Tim Allen. Mm-mm. Okay, so fan cast it. Fan Who would you have liked as Luther? God, I don't know, because I've got a very specific image in my head of who he should be. I see, like, a non-happy William H. Macy. I could see that. You know, like, the, what's, what's that show he's on? Shameless. Shameless. Is he funny in that one? I, I haven't seen it. He is funny in that one. Well, like a non-funny, right? Like a serious William H. Macy. Mm-hmm. And then who would Nora be? Dude, this, is, this should be something we should add to our weekly discussions. Mm-hmm. Fan casting? Fan casting. That would be fun. I don't know. William H. Macy doesn't have the nerdy accounting enough look for me. Oh, he does for me. Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks. <gasps> oh, I love Colin Hanks. Oh, he's too young looking. Yeah, he's way too young to be. Boy, I love okay. Colin Hanks. Tom, serious Tom Hanks, though. I could, I could see Tom Hanks. I would, with glasses. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to wear glasses. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Tom Hanks. I think that's a good one. Has Tom Hanks done a Christmas movie? Yes, the Polar Express. Oh, right. Perhaps you remember it was covered covered on uh, an episode of Tis the Podcast. (laughs) I I, 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 count. Even though every even though every Tom voiced character looked exactly like Tom Hanks. (laughs) (laughs) I was sitting here going, No, I don't think he's been in a Christmas movie. Did you guys listen to this month's episode of Can't Wait for Christmas? Huh. With the elf on the shelf? Yeah. Yeah. Where he says so he's the, the merriest podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, he was talking about an ornament on there. They were talking about all the new Hallmark ornaments. And he was talking yeah. about one for the Polar Express that has Tom Hanks' voice on it. And that just freaked oh. me. I don't like it. Wow. I didn't dislike the Polar Express as much as you did. So I would oh, probably. I, I, when we saw it in the movie theater, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I bought the I bought the book as an adult after that with the ornament with the silver ornament. Oh yeah. Um, I one thing I did want to bring up to you guys and see if you agree. Julia, did you do Elf on the Shelf at your house? Still do. Not yeah, looking forward right. to it. I won't tell you what Tim said. <laughs> no, that he's a Nickelback of Christmas. Nickelback of Christmas. I mean, it's been a solid three or four years now that Marty and I look at each other and we're like, is there any way of making this thing disappear? I'm not, he, it's not coming to my house, not doing do you, it. Do you do the fun stuff with it where you're like... We used to, and <laughs> now we're just really bad about it. Now you just shove him in a corner, the like is, find the thing. bring it into the house, grandma did. Uh, so, um, we wouldn't, if, it, if there had been that decision, it would not have been us, but he, she brought it. And it was legit cool for the first year or two. Tim hit on my, Tim Babb hit on my reason for hating it. I just creates this weird acceptance for kids of being a constant surveillance. 
It's yeah. one thing for Santa to use magic, but then to like hide these agents in your house to spy and report back. That's creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big brother for me. I'm gonna start, instead of yeah. saying big brother for now, I'm going to start saying little elf. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are a lot of cameras around here. Feel awfully little elf. You <laughs> <laughs> um, should um, trademark that. <laughs> one thing I want to do too next week, I want to let all of our listeners know uh, if you guys would think about the best Christmas podcast you've heard lately, and let's recommend some other episodes. I think we need to start get, helping people get a. Uh, Yes. Get in the spirit a little bit more and sharing a little love with our Christmas podcasting friends. Absolutely. I think we're digressing a, a lot. Have we, uh, <laughs> have we covered everything we wanted to in this movie? I think the only the other thing I really I just wanted to ask you guys about real quick was what did you think of Spike for a Meyer? Since he had him listed on the cast. Yeah. I mm-hmm. found him obnoxious too. Mm-hmm. But he was kind of obnoxious in the book. I thought he was a little older in the book. Yeah, they definitely stood him up like he was more of a mini, a mini, right? Vic. Like I just yeah, imagine him like wearing a sh- shirt like his dad's, you know, and trying to be right. Dad. Yeah, he was young in the book, in the movie for me, compared to what I expected. Okay, my question: okay. Are we doing ranking of books or just the movie? I think just the movie. I can't rank this book against other books. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to be forced into ranking my books. <laughs> You're already forcing me to rank my movies. Don't make me rank my books. <laughs> you had to rank oh. Harry Potter. That was tough. I do have one more thing to bring up, though, about this movie. What's that? When the carolers are assaulting their house, and they're forced <laughs> to go hide, hide in the basement <laughs> because they're staring through the windows and just won't shut up. Oh, my God. I, I last Remind me, is that when he turned, he turned on the water? Yeah, he, yeah, he had yeah. sprinklers. <laughs> yeah, and that's why they go down to the basement. They're like peace and quiet, away from all this Christmas stuff. And, and then Nora like screams, and they turn, and Frosty's just <laughs> in the darkness with his eyes lighting up from the furnace. <laughs> I like that scene. That felt very Home Alone. It yeah, it felt very Home Alone. But let me tell you something. If my neighbors <laughs> ever acted <laughs> that aggressively toward me, I'd be turning on the water too. I wouldn't put up with that for an instant. Be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, does this pass the Linus test? Uh, 100%. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Both, I was really chomping at the bit for that Linus test moment. Um, yeah, the movie especially. I mean, the book did too, but that's the one part where I think the movie did better than the book and it, and it's all on Dan Aykroyd, every bit of it. Mm-hmm. And Tim well, Allen in the middle of the scene. Yeah. I was about to say with Luther and uh, Walt too. Yeah. yeah, that is, But it had already been, I'd already been going up that high by that point, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, passes the flying colors. Yep. yep. All right. I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to give it six and a quarter. I'm giving it a 5.25. Five and a quarter. Okay. I'm going to rank this a six. Six. Okay. So we're all in agreement. This Pretty, is a slightly yeah. better than average movie, right? Yes. So what's the so. average? That brings us to who's going to give me a drum roll? I pull Keep it going. Beverly D'Angelo right now, but that's not happening. I don't know how to roll my hours. <laughs> 5.83. 5.83, which puts it at number 15, just below the family man and above Pete's Christmas and Daddy's Home too. Okay. I'm good with that. I'm like good that. with that too. I am too. So that was, yeah, that was a fun movie. I'm, I'm really excited about this literary month thing. Me too. Me too. So Julia, today I saw you, uh, you were mentioned quite a bit on, so for those of you who are not on our subreddit, uh, I'm gonna actually just read that whole exchange. Are you guys cool with that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and the exchange that Tom is reading is how we interact with our listeners on social media. This specifically Reddit, but you can find us on Instagram at Tis the Podcast, Twitter at Tis the Pod, Facebook at Tis the Podcast, on our website at tisthepodcast.com, and that's it. But we have the most fun on Reddit. We really do. 
Did you see how many likes that we got on Facebook this week? We got new likes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter this week. More people have found us. Nice. I think I think everybody's getting ready. They're, they're seeing that Burr month right around the corner. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, hold on. I'm going back to it right now. So we were discussing more of our <coughs> last week's episode on uh, Tis the Podcast and Tinsel Tunes, who also has a podcast. What podcast is his podcast? Tinsel Tunes from the Tinsel Tunes podcast said, Julie, I agree with your feelings about being super amped for the season. I've done outside lights since 2006. Last year, we downsized the house and increased the decorations on the inside. This year, my passion for Christmas has gone nuclear with your guys' podcast every week, Tim and Brian's podcast, and now mine. Sorry, I'm even more emerging Christmas, so I really can't wait. The other day, I really wanted to start putting lights up outside, but my wife said, no, it's too soon. So I had the brilliant suggestion that you send your wife out for a night with the girls, like dinner and a movie, then surprise her with Christmas lights. When she gets home, everyone wins. Julia said, and then you can decorate your couch. You will undoubtedly be sleeping on it as a result. And I said, no way. Like, like I told Christine, if you're mad and you want someone to sleep on the couch, have fun. I'm sleeping in my bed. <laughs> to which Tinsel Tunes said, ha ha, that wouldn't work in my house. I know my place. <laughs> Tinsel Tunes, you're a smart man. I know mine too. <laughs> um, I have never in 14 years of marriage not slept in my bed. Oh, well, I've never kicked my husband out to the couch either. I've never either. I'm just saying I know that, oh, like, shit. were we ever to get into a fight that has resulted in that, I would be the one on the couch. Once we got into an argument and Christine told me to go sleep on the couch, I said, if you want someone on the couch, go out there. I'm going to sleep right now. Good night. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's, those are the kind of joys you get when you marry somebody, somebody who's uh, young and immature. I'm just happy she stuck with me. So speaking of really fun interactions on our social media, um, last in between the last time we recorded and tonight, we got a really cool message from a new Facebook follower and a new listener, Ryan Bosch. And I asked if it'd be okay to read it. And he said, yes, because it was got some cool things in this. So he reached out to us on Facebook and he says, hello, Tiz Trio. I stumbled onto your show about a month ago and I've been listening to it nonstop. I'm about 15 episodes away from being fully caught up. Exactly the podcast I've been waiting to hear. You all do a great job and I appreciate you putting it out there. I absolutely love Christmas movies and look forward to the holidays every year so I can watch all the films I enjoy. The Christmas season is a, a fully magical time of year and I wish it lasted longer. Everyone is just nice around the holidays. Unfortunately, my wife and I have a no Christmas songs or movies rule until Black Friday. And listening to your show is mm-hmm, and listening to your show is a fun workaround to get my Christmas fix. I really do enjoy your show. I enjoy it so much I actually logged onto Facebook in order to reach out. I go on Facebook maybe once or twice a year. Very much looking forward to the continued listen. You have enough movies and TV specials to keep it going for years to come. So many good movies you've yet to cover. Listen to this. As an aside, I know how much you all love the Santa Claus. I live and work in L.A. Years before I moved behind the camera, I did a little bit of acting, mostly extra background work, including Bad Santa. The first movie I ever did was a made-for-TV movie called Big Shots, Confessions of a Campus Bookie. The movie starred Bernard from The Santa Claus, David Krumholtz. We were shooting around Christmas, and when we wrapped one night, I was with my friend and jokingly said, we can't leave yet. I have to find Bernard so he can help me, help me find my Christmas spirit. Little did I know David was walking behind us. I was incredibly embarrassed. He thought I was making fun of him, but I definitely wasn't. I ran into him last year and told him about that. He just laughed and said we had a great he just laughed and we had a great conversation. He tagged us on Instagram of a picture with him, a picture of him and David Krumholtz together, which was cool. So check that out. And he also said, thanks for doing the podcast. I'm sure it's a lot of work, but your listeners definitely appreciate it. So I thought that was very cool. For that is really cool. And I love being part of a conspiracy to get around his terrible no christmas songs and movies it's terrible white that's an awful rule i can understand the decorations and whatnot but to put a ban on the movies and music and music too far i was listening to christmas music in my drive today homework so all the christmas all the new christmas music is going to start coming out and that should be an annual patreon episode we do where we discuss the new we, we all listen to the new christmas music and discuss it Oh, That'd be cool. I usually hate so much of it. I do too. I will get so snarky. <laughs> <laughs> but I like getting snarky with you guys. And our listeners like me getting snarky with you guys. And you yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> 
All right. Oh, speaking of Patreon, if you haven't checked out our Patreon yet, you can do so at www.patreon.com slash podcast For as little as $1 a month, you can get full bonus episodes. We have some really good stuff up there. We have a Hocus Pocus episode uh, if you want to get into that Halloween spirit with that holiday fast approaching. Uh, we have our full-length Office Christmas episode. We have a full-length Harry Potter episode. We have an episode on the movie Clue, which was Tom's first time watching it. And we have a lot of cool stuff coming up, um, including the Friends Thanksgiving episodes, Christmas commercials, uh, the Office Halloween episodes, uh, Batman Noel, and uh, Christmas, covering all the new Christmas music. So... Check it out. It's a lot of fun. Next week, we're continuing Literary Month with David Baldacci's The Christmas Train. The cast looks amazing, and I'm really excited to see and read this. I have done neither. I am excited, too. I can't wait. If you're listening and to this, I will never say that about a Hallmark film. So, <laughs> uh, I was at, at dinner on a the Bay here in Vancouver today with my, with the CEO of our company and my boss. And they're like, how do you not run out of Christmas movies? And so I informed them how many new Hallmark movies okay. are coming out this year and then talked about Lifetime. And they're like, surely you guys aren't watching those movies. And I was like, no, there are entire podcasts devoted to those movies more than one. <laughs> and they were. <laughs> so if you're listening to this on Monday, September 3rd, happy labor day. We are in the Burr months, and we have approximately 2,700 hours until Christmas. Oh, I'm going to do you one better. That's only 113 days. I'm going to do you one better. It's only 16 weeks. Anthony wins. (laughs) Anthony wins. (laughs) Definitely. That should just be the tagline of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Anthony wins. Hashtag Anthony Hashtag wins. Anthony, not Tony, wins. <laughs> All right, we've got a lot of homework for you. Read and watch The Christmas Train. And don't any of you get the silly idea in your head to try skipping Christmas. It doesn't work. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.